Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola. Oh, you'll want to sit. Welcome to the Mike Abadir Show. You'll want to sit tight this hour as host Mike Abadir and co-host Gino Bacola talk to the experts, celebrities, and figures from the worlds of sports and business of sports. We cover the NFL, baseball, basketball, soccer, and horse racing, so we have all of the bases covered. Now, we just need your participation. Here is your host, Mike Abadir. Thursday, June 15th. 2023, this is your host, of course, Mike Abadir. I am alongside my main man, Pop DiBiase. And uh, we're, we're in mid-June, but we've already uh, you know, reached the halfway point of the year, Pop. This seems like every year as we get older, time flies faster. I had to do a double take. I'm like, we're in the middle of June. That means 4th of July is right around the corner. But hey, the sports world stops for no one. We're going to talk and touch it all. Pop, how are you doing, man? I know you've done a, a couple of shows. This is a triple header for you. How's your voice? Man, I'm always good to go, man. I can probably do this stuff for about 18 hours out today, I guess, man. Talking sports and just shooting the breeze, man. Oh, hold on real Can't quick. Can't slow down Pop Kibiasi. Can't yes. slow him down. Right. You know. Well, you know, pretty much though, I wish though I could I could move move if if um you know for, as I always keep saying, I think I feel like I'm doing a lot of charity work right now, but it should all pay off eventually, right, Mike? Which go uh, no doubt. You know, so uh um, in the time you get the reward. You reap right. the reward. And right. uh and you know what? We're we're kind of seeing that right now with the some of these division leaders, right? How about the Pittsburgh Pirates? I want to start with them because, yeah, they're a little bit fortunate in that they play in a weak division. You know, the Cardinals, who are supposed to be the favorite in the division, are dead last. They've lost five in a row. I don't know if they have it in them to turn things around. You know, the Cubs are the Cubs. Cincinnati's kind of a interesting team with all the prospects and the rookies that they've got. Milwaukee is only involved because their pitching is, uh, and their pitching hasn't even been as good as normal. You know, what the hell are Woodruff and Burns and, and company uh, going to do to pick up that offense? You're not even getting uh, innings out of those guys right now, especially what Woodruff has hurt, right? Um, but the Pittsburgh Pirates, I don't think anybody thought they'd be first in that division. Sure, they're only two games above 500. But, man, they're they're kind of balling out, man. Based Mike, on the way things are going, though, I think the Reds are going to win that division. What are your thoughts about the division? Mike, let's keep it real. Like, you kind of dogged out the Brewers, but the Brewers were the number were in first place for, like, the last three weeks. They just had a bad week. You know, getting swept by the A's was kind of serious. You know what I mean? And um thing is, the Pirates had a 20 and 7 April. So when you start the season off in that regard, you're, you, you, you got a pretty good head start. But if you look at their record since going 20 and 7, Mike, these guys have only won these guys have only won 14 games. 
you know, they've went 14 and um, I'm looking at it right now. They've went 14 and what, what is it? 14 and I think 15 now since that point or something like 14 and 24 since that point. So pretty much they're 34 and 32. You have the Brewers who are 34 and 34 who are, they're sitting a game out. I think that they'll be able to settle this thing when they play each other. But Pittsburgh being where they're at right now is a great story for baseball, period, point blank, because Pittsburgh is an oldie but goodie uh, situation. Everybody knows that, you know, Pittsburgh was a very big staple of baseball in the 70s and the uh, late 80s as well, too, early 90s. So Pittsburgh has a great baseball tradition. Cincinnati, another team that has a great baseball tradition, one of the brightest in all the baseball, but it hasn't been able to be been talked about because the reds have not been good in the last 20 years but before that all you used to hear about was the big red machine when i was a kid growing up all you heard about was the big red machine and the team of 89 and the team of 1990 you know what i mean so there's a lot of things that make the um central very intriguing but it is a very good thing with the uh with, with the pirates being where they're at but i just say Let's hold our horses a little bit. This team has only won 14 games in the last six weeks, really. You know what I mean? And they've lost 25 of them. And luckily enough, like you just said, Mike, they play in a, such a bad division. That head start had them as the best team in the NL for a short period of time. And so pretty much it's going to be hard for you to catch up with them because they got to off to a good start, but they're the type of team that can drop 10 in a row. They still have that in Mike at the end of the day and not having you going to be uh, sorry, very to say, to everything. You said it can. yourself. You said it yourself though, that the Brewers have been in the lead for three weeks in a row. Doesn't that tell you something though about Pittsburgh? They didn't fold, right? They didn't, they didn't close shop entirely. Yeah, they have. You're right about their 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 record after their big start, but I think it, there's there's a little bit of resiliency in that they lost a really big lead, but have now overtaken the Brewers once again. The Brewers are kind of scuffling quite a bit, and I just pulled up some of the stats on it to kind of back up what I'm saying. They've only got 11 innings out of one of their aces, Brandon Woodruff. Uh, Burns has, I think he's turned the corner. And, and pitching kind of like Burns, he's a mid-three ERA guy uh, right now. He's usually like in the twos. Uh, but everybody else, bro, Freddie Peralta has an ERA close to five. Rhea, close to five. Eric Lauer, five and a half. These are your other starters, right? And so they're not even getting necessarily quality pitching. They had to sign somebody who hasn't pitched in a couple of years, Julio Tehran. He's actually doing pretty well. but. Uh, you know, they they have to get pitching because, you know, this man, their hitting isn't that great. You know, their RBI leaders, Brian Anderson, their home run leader is Rowdy Tellez, and their batting average leader is 269, Christian Yelich. 269. That tells you something. Right, but, Mike, there's only 15 guys that bat over 300 in the league. That's nuts, because you know it used to be a hundred when we were coming up watching baseball. <laughs> like literally, like everybody you're had. Right about that. You're right about that, but pop, 
the the Brewers team batting average is 229. Their on base percentage as a team is 306. That that doesn't cut it, man. That's not enough to get the job done. Can a brother hold on to his ticket? You know, I got a plus 180 on uh, the Brewers because the Brewers weren't that far off on winning the Central this year. It was kind of like a deadlock between them and the Cardinals. So, I, but I know what you mean, though. Mike, they're not playing to their expectations. They're supposed to have a top five pitching rotation, and they're not doing that right now. They're supposed to have one of the better hitting groups in baseball, especially when it comes to their first five batters that, that are out there. Those guys aren't performing well either. But I would say that they've been consistently, they've been a good, consistent, inconsistent in a sense. You know, they'll have a, they had a good, they had their good stretch in May. And now they're running into a little bit of turbulence here in um, June. But like I said on my show, Mike, I said, I feel like the NL Central may have every single team in first place by the end of the year. I feel like the Reds are going to probably take their place at the mantle soon. Because they've actually have became such a different team since adding uh, Delhi um, up there. Delhi absolutely destroyed the Dodgers uh, series last week. You know, two six-run comebacks in a row. So they have a lot of juice going on that side. But they got pitchers going out right now. They just lost Ashcraft for the next month or so. Um, and a lot of their other pitchers are out as well, too, that are starting. But Hunter Green is an absolute Jim, and um, those are the things that you look at. But in reality, though, Mike, I'm going to keep it real with you. If the Cubs mess around and say, okay, let's go on a winning streak real quick, the Cubs will win the division. If the Cubs can can start winning consistently, they have the roster to win in this division. Marcus Stroman's pitching out of his mind right now. And if he can get the, the rest of those guys motivated to play like how he's playing, they may have a chance because they have a roster that has guys that won World Series ranks. And that's very important for the long run in baseball. And you know that too, Mike, is that if you got guys that have been there, done that before, you sometimes you don't have to worry about how well you do in the first half. Sometimes these guys get it mid June and then they just turn it on and they know exactly what it takes. So that's what makes the central exciting division is that, you know, you have what I would call a blanket race where, uh, you know, pretty much everybody, you don't know who the winner is going to be when we get down to the stretch and when we get down to the finish line. That's what makes this division so intriguing. But I know it excites all of us because the Pirates were not a team that anybody saw actually finishing at the top, not even second or third. It was it, I laughed about it on my show, 30 uh, teams in 30 days. I said that they'll be fighting with the uh, Reds on who's going to be in last place this year. Not the case. Not the case at all. The Cardinals are the ones sitting in the basement chilling with, uh, a ch- with, uh, with um, you know, chilling in the basement, playing some Xbox 360 or something. You know what I mean? There, because I have not heard anything about the Cardinals this year. Seriously, like nobody even mentions them this season. Um, you know, usually they say they'll talk about the stars, the things like that. They're struggling. They haven't mentioned any of that this season. So that just goes to show you how irrelevant that division truly is. But at the same time, just like you brought up, and while we're on the topic, it's just great to see that the Pirates have have jumped out of that. Uh, that type of idea of where, you know, pretty much 
a mediocre season coming up. And this is surprising because they've done so well without O'Neill Cruz. And I think that's absolutely amazing. Um, okay. I'm, I don't know if we lost Mike or if Mike's still here, but here, here we go. Can you hear me? Yeah, I can hear you now. We had some technical difficulties. Not really sure why, but hey, that's live radio for you. I always say that whenever something let's, like this happens. But let's see what Raider's opinion is. Yeah, well, <laughs> Ra- 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 Raider will uh, Ra- Raider will will chime in as long as there's some kind of food or incentive involved. I you know, that, heard that Raider Raider feels that the Cardinals can make the move. That's what I I'll heard. tell you what. He he he's got faith that that their that their nasty dog in them is going to be able to come out. But right now they haven't been playing like it, and I think they've sent weird signals, man. They have a superstar stud, Jordan Walker, that they sent down. I I really can't understand it. I think it sent like a weird signal of panic, and I think that really hurt. Right, right. And um, I think that you're totally on the money about that, Mike. I think that there's just a lot of things that, you know, that make it to where the Cardinals don't have – the Cardinals are in a a rebuild, a real rebuild, and they don't have those same, you know, killers that they used to have. You know what I mean? That Those guys that can just get it right and play the Cardinal way. You know what I mean? Um, Goldsmith was never a winner, so it doesn't matter – what he's going to do when he comes to your team. You know what I mean? He's a stat guy. That's great. But it doesn't conduce to winning. He did the same thing in Arizona. They didn't win that much. So that's what happens sometimes when you bring in guys that are just stat stuffers. Ariando wasn't used to ever winning in Colorado. So, you know, these guys, the type of tradition that the Cardinals have is conducive to big winning. And the Cardinals don't have that savvy veteran anymore. Yadier Molina has retired. Um, Albert Pujols came back on a farewell tour last year. So it gets really difficult for a team when they don't have the guy that's been sitting on the team for the last 10 years or so that's really guiding them the way that they're supposed to be guided. And you know that they have a newer manager than than they've had over the years as well, too. So he's not really with the tradition as well either yet. With the Cardinals, so the Cardinals right now, to me, are still a dangerous, uh, uh, still as we would like to say, as we say at the track, old Trevor Dimon, they still loom the danger, Mike. Uh, I, I I hear you. I'm not seeing a lot of signs of it so far, but hey, man, you know, uh, they really owned owned the division for a long time, so it's it's kind of like the Dodgers, like you can never count them out. Right, but I'm just saying this. See, the Dodgers, if they were this behind in their division, no chance because their division is is really good. But right. the Central's not good enough to to tell me that, you know, just because you're nine games out, you wouldn't be able to catch these guys because everybody in this division is capable of losing 10 games in a row, every single one of them, every single one of them. And I got this idea where – Okay, the team that does all their winning first isn't going to be doing any winning when it comes to the second half of the season. So I think that um, all in all, like I keep saying, I think that we're going to wind up getting a blanket finish, Mike. We may have five, we may have five teams that are half a game behind each other when it's all said and done. 
I, I could see that happening. I could absolutely see that happening. Uh, you, you, you mentioned uh, Delhi for, for a minute. And for those who are uh, not initiated yet, we're talking about Ellie De La Cruz. He is a 6'5", 200-pound shortstop. I'm going to repeat that. 6'5", 200 pounds. He turned 21 in January, and he's in the bigs. He's only been in the bigs for uh, nine games. He's already swiped five bags. He's got a home run. He's knocked in four important RBIs. And he's just like this dynamic type of new athlete that we're seeing in baseball. Before, your most athletic guys were either your shortstop or your center fielder. But your shortstop wasn't necessarily that big in stature. Cal Ripken changed that dynamic because he was 6'2 and a little bit bulkier than most shortstops. That ushered in an era of A-Rod and Nomar uh, and then Derek Jeter, who are all above six feet tall, bigger shortstop type of of, uh, of players, especially A-Rod and and Nomar. But now to get to 6'5", and he's not the only one in the same division, the teams that we're talking about, the Pittsburgh Pirates. He's injured right now, but uh, O'Neal Cruz, that guy's huge too. He's like 6'6", six, six, I think, maybe even 6'7", on the Pittsburgh Pirates. So we're talking about some exciting players that normally would not have been like even allowed to resume with baseball. They would have been pushed into basketball just because of their height. But uh, they're, they're embraced. They're big prospects. And uh, I just confirmed O'Neal. Cruz is 6'7", 220 pounds. That would never be a shortstop in our lifetime so far, Pop. Right. Right. Well, you know, it's always, they always do this with the shortstop position. Eventually, they'll switch them out. You know, they did the same thing with Tatis. He was a big-time shortstop when he came up, and then they figure out the flaws in these guys because they they – you can't show off so much with the shortstop position. It's not a jazzy position. You know what I mean? That's why I loved Omar Vizquel because Omar Vizquel was the the absolute wizard when it came to defensive uh, shortstops in the in baseball. So, well, I think you make a good point because I think it, at six foot seven, pop, wouldn't that be a lot of wear and tear on a body to dive at six foot seven rather than like five nine, five ten, five eleven? It yeah. just seems like that would yeah. take more of a pounding. Bad on the knees, bad on, yep. Corey bat on the shoulders. You're just too big of a frame, man. Yep, Corey Seager. Great What's example. Seager, though? Six. Yeah, Corey Seager, great example. A-Rod, great example. You can't play the position for – you can't play that position forever, so eventually they'll move him to third base or to the outfield. Right, right. Okay. okay, let's take a quick commercial timeout, Pop. We'll come back with more MLB talk and everything else right after this. Follow Voice America at Facebook.com forward slash Voice America for juicy updates from your favorite radio shows and podcasts. 
Sports continues to grow and evolve to ever-increasing prominence in today's society. On All Around Sports, host John Inglesby will connect with the leading newsmakers from the sports world, including players, owners, and fellow sports journalists discussing the top news and events that are relevant to sports today. John will also report from and offer his experience of the world's top sports events. Tune into All Around Sports with John Inglesby, Mondays at noon Eastern Time, 9 a.m. Pacific, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Voice America programs are now available on your favorite connected device, including Amazon, Alexa, and Google Home. Through streams with Apple Podcasts, TuneIn, and iHeartRadio, listening to your favorite show is as easy as saying the show name followed by the word podcast. Hey, Alexa, play Finding Your Frequency podcast. If that doesn't work, try adding on TuneIn or on iHeartRadio or on Apple Podcasts. Have you had a chance to check out Voice America's online magazine and blog? If you love our hosts and shows, check out articles that give an even deeper perspective, plus topics about health and fitness, movie reviews, philosophy, business tips and tactics, spirituality, positive thought, current events, and even more about your favorite host. It's just a click away at blog.voiceamerica.com. That's blog.voiceamerica.com. The Voice America Press Blog. All access, all the time. Stimulating talk gets those synapses in the brain firing really fast. All the time. The number one internet talk station where your opinion counts. VoiceAmerica.com. This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1 866 472 5788. That's 1 866 472 5788. Or send an email to Mike at the Mike Show.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back on the Mike Abadir Show with Pop DiBiase. You know, during the break, we were just talking about the Oakland A's situation. It seems like there is a lot of backlash, and I'm kind of glad to see it. seems like a lot of fans of Oakland have uh, basically come out and, and voiced their dissatisfaction with losing yet another team. I mean, imagine, man, the Oakland Coliseum just a couple of years ago housed the Raiders, the Warriors, and the arena next door, and the A's. And they're on the verge of having none of those teams. Now, the interesting thing to me is that Vegas is like the 37th biggest market in America, sports-wise. Why would you leave the Bay Area a top five market, even if you divide it in half with the Giants? You know, that's still better than, than Las Vegas. It's all about the stadium pop. It's who can pony up for the stadium. That's really what it comes down to. So you're willing to tear apart a fan base just because of the stadium? That's really rough. They haven't put in money into this team. Look at how many guys they've lost. Giambi, Tejada, Mulder, Zito, Hudson, uh, uh, Olsen with the Braves. Uh, what's his name? Third baseman with Toronto. Uh, why am I blanking on his name for a moment? 
I could go on and on and on. They don't re uh, Cespedes. How about that? Cespedes for the team. I mean, they 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 bring up players, tease the fan base, don't re-sign their homegrown players, and then expect that people are going to fill a crappy stadium. Well, maybe if you re-signed these guys, they would fill it up. Maybe you don't need a new stadium. Maybe they're content with it as is, as long as they feel that the owners are doing what they can to win. But they're not. So the real question for you is, if that stadium doesn't fill up, and you were making the point during the commercial break that Vegas, when it's at capacity, it's on the weekends. And that's okay for a football team with one game every other week at home. But when you're talking about a sport that plays more games on weekdays than it does on weekends, they're going to have a less than full stadium again. So what are they going to do then? It's going to be the same problem all over again, Pop. I, I don't see it being a success. I think and uh, Bryce Harper yesterday, him and uh, uh, Bryson Stock both spoke out against it. Now, they're Vegas locals. And they're like, Vegas, the only way it work is if they have an expansion team like the Golden Knights and Hawk. Otherwise, it isn't fair to the A's fan base that supported them for a long time since they moved over from Kansas City, what, like 50-plus years ago. So that's kind of my take on it, Pop. What say you? I would say, Vegas, look at their history. This team started off in Philadelphia, bro. They're one of the oldest teams in baseball. They started off in Philadelphia, didn't work because they couldn't compete with the Phillies. Then they went to Kansas City, and Kansas City was not conducive to what their cheap owner wanted to do. So pretty much they left, and then they got an expansion team that they absolutely adore in the Kansas City Royals. You know what I mean? And then you take yourself over to Oakland, this brand new city in California that hasn't is is a little bit uh, it's that hasn't been tapped yet. And then you got this Raider team that's over on the other side of the bay. And then y'all kind of had a, a a funny marriage where the A's were the landlord and the, the, the Raiders were the tenant, I guess, or vice versa, whatever. They both were tenants because it was ran by the, uh, the Alameda County uh, board anyway. So pretty much, you know, you had a pretty much a perfect marriage with these two for a long time because it's a small town. It's a small city and they just fit because they was rebels of the game. There's a tradition to the Oakland A's, the, the misfits, things like that. My boy Bernsey, who um, I interviewed at the Super Bowl, he's somebody who's very adamant about keeping his 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 first team around because he loves the A's, man, with all of his heart. He just went to the Diamondbacks because he had to go get his money. And he loves the A's with everything, with every ounce, you know what I mean? Because he's a California guy. And, you know, that's what they have to understand. The A's aren't some relevant team like, say, the Tampa Bay Rays. I know that sounds a little bold because they have the best record in the league, but well, come on, majority of their history has been pretty mediocre. Let's keep it real. You know what I mean? And other teams like, say, the Colorado Rockies, you know what I mean, they, who don't have a tradition at all. Arizona Diamondbacks, they got a ring, but they ain't got no tradition. 
the A's have a tradition. If you want to move teams like the teams I just mentioned, that's fine because they don't really have have a tradition and they don't really they and whatever love that they had with those communities it's been far gone especially in arizona where they literally want to get rid of that stadium like they do not want that stadium anymore because that stadium is falling apart nobody ever talks about that though that that these are the little little dark secrets in the mlb that they don't want to bring up you know what i mean like so there's a lot of there's the, the A's aren't the only team that wants out of their city. And I feel like the A's never gave it a chance to really be able to get themselves their beautiful forever home. You know what I mean? I thought putting a uh, team back in uh, the Oakland area by Berkeley and everything and Jack London uh, Square was going to be absolutely epic. That's perfect for Oakland. You know what I mean? Then putting them in Fremont, a uh, uh, a very a progressive um, suburb that has a lot that would have kept you somewhat local and somewhere in the area. And then the, the, the stadium that I liked the most, I think it was a stadium that they were looking at in San Jose that would have been absolutely incredible. And why can't you move to San Jose? San Jose has plenty of space. Sacramento has plenty of space. And then you could call yourself the Bay area uh, AIDS. You know what I mean? Like there's a lot of things that you could do that, you don't have to leave the Bay Area. You have enough cities over there. Did the San Francisco 49ers quit on San Francisco when they figured out that they weren't going to be able to build a stadium in San Francisco? No, they did not. They went down the road to Santa Clara and built a stadium. That's exactly what they went and did. Just go ahead and take what they're offering you. The cities of Oakland and San Francisco cannot handle having team, having big stadiums when they are the biggest populated uh, spaces in the Bay Area. It's just impossible. In Oakland, it's impossible because they don't even have that situation in Oakland. It's in Alameda, which is a suburb. You know what I mean? So pretty much they know what time it is. You guys just need to go ahead and try your best to get a deal done with Oakland. You know, this is a city that's asking you, can you just do us the favor and pay for the stadium yourself? That's the biggest problem with the A's owners, that he's a greedy bastard that wants to take city's money. No, no. You want to be the big tycoon? You want to be the big everything? Then you pay for the stadium. You're the billionaire here. You're the one with the money. If you didn't want to sign, if you know what you signed up for and you shouldn't put it on the people for you to have a stadium and the people of Vegas, I'm going to tell you like this as a, as a person that stayed in Las Vegas, they have so many other issues in Las Vegas that they need fixed. A baseball team is not going to help the financial situation at all. The biggest problem with Vegas right now is, is that you got way too much, too many Tourists coming in. You don't have enough gamblers coming anymore. Now, if you bring a baseball stadium, you're going to have to expect that they're only going to have 8,000 people there a night. You know what I mean? If you have a sorry product like you do right now, you may only get about 33,000 people to the stadium every night. People are not going to be attracted by watching baseball in 115 degree weather or watching baseball in 55 degree weather in the desert. It just will not work. You know, they have a minor league team for a reason because they're a minor league city. I don't care what anybody says. Yes, they have the Golden Knights, but uh, hockey is not a major sport anymore. It's still a professional sport, but it is not a part of the four major sports anymore. 
Then you have uh, WNBA basketball. That's literally like a, a tax write-off for Mark uh, Davis, dude. Even though they won the championship and everything, I stayed in Vegas when they first moved there and were the worst team in the WNBA. They used to have 50 people show up at it for a 12 o'clock game on a Friday, Mike, in the afternoon. So don't try to tell me that you they were in full support of the Aces from day one because they were not. So pretty much... You know, you have to understand if you have a winner in Vegas, it will work. But if you have a loser, just expect to be UNLV. It's that simple because people have other things to do. And these people do not have L.A. money. They can lie to you and act like they got L.A. money, but they only have so many people that have that bread. The 80 percent of that city is living paycheck to paycheck and through casinos. So pretty much, you know, it's your it. it Vegas, do not do this to yourself. You're going to you're going to put up money that you need to put up to progress your city for a team that can buy their own way into the city. You know, the Raiders were a brand or a brand name. Everybody wanted the Raiders when the Raiders were uh, leaving Oakland. And the Raiders only came to Vegas is because Jerry Jones hated on them in Los Angeles. He wanted to make sure that he did not have competition. So he said, okay, let's go get Stan Kroenke and the irrelevant St. Louis Rams to come move back to Los Angeles. And then, you know what, we'll make them look really good off top. They'll build a stadium and then they'll go back to being the same team that used to stink it up in Anaheim. So, you know, and then, you know, Dean Spanos gets picked out of uh, the group, knowing damn well that man should have stayed in San Diego, but they did all this to block Mark Davis from being from actually living out his father's dream of bringing back the Raiders to Los Angeles, because really he never wanted to leave LA in the first place. So, you know, that's where, you know, pretty much we have this, this real gripe at is because the Raiders, you understand them, but the A's, you pretty much belong to Oakland. And you, you said that you would never leave this city after the Raiders left. You said, we're going to try our hardest to stay here. So you need to stick to your promise and stay there or sell the team. There's five people right now ready to buy the Oakland A's. Just go ahead and get rid of the team, Fisher. That's all you need to do. If they're, if they're, if they're hemorrhaging your money, Art Modell, let them go. Let them go. Coffee King. Um, Man, you, you you raise a lot of really good points, and I think one of the points that you kind of quickly uh, mentioned, uh, without necessarily getting maybe using the term that I'm going to use, but at some point Vegas is going to cannibalize itself. Yes, right, because because I'll tell you right now, uh, you know, regardless of how I feel about the WNBA product, I could tell you that nobody goes to Vegas on a vacation and has a WNBA game on their target list to do when they're in Las Vegas. That's just not, there's nobody that's flying into Vegas from Asia, uh, Middle East, across the world saying, we got to go to a WNBA game. So now you put like a, a, a game that has mid mid midweek ball games to possibly compete with that well every time the yankees are in town the red sox are in town the dodgers are in town you know those games are gonna absolutely sell out uh but 
on the other days, it kind of leaves somebody with a choice, right? Well, what games are going on? Oh, we can go to an A's game. So it's kind of like the city is almost like shitting on the WNBA, in my opinion, if they had any hopes of that working out. But I think you said the key. It's probably just a tax write-off for Mark Davis anyways. I don't even know if he cares. He gets a few bucks bucks from TV money from ESPN, and it's probably wasted money on ESPN. I mean, I I don't know how the ratings look, but I can't imagine that they're that great. I don't think anybody's captivated and be like, hey, we got to be home by 5.30 tonight to catch the WNBA playoffs. I'm not hearing it, at least. Right. Right. I'm not saying that the league shouldn't exist uh, because I I like the fact that uh, women can continue doing something that they love. You know, I want that. I think it's important. But let's not pretend that this is like a hot ticket or a hot commodity because it's not. And all that's going to happen if you bring the Oakland A's over is you're going to even put them further behind in that market. It's just not going to happen. Even like, um, you know, like Phoenix and stuff, there's some cooperation between the NBA team and the WNBA team. Or in LA, two NBA teams. They kind of lift and propel and help out. What do you have to propel them in Las Vegas? Nothing. So I think think bringing in one team is going to be the demise of another. And bringing in that team is only going to see success when you have certain teams come to town to visit. Like I said, the Dodgers is an example. So now it becomes, hey, Pop, let's go to Vegas this week and let's catch that Dodger game at the new stadium. Okay, sounds good. Probably not a lot of Brewers fans doing that or Marlins fans, but there are going to be some select teams, maybe the Cardinals, the Red Sox, the Yankees, et cetera, where you're going to have that type of thing happen. Maybe even some people from uh, you know San Diego because it's it's a it's driving distance. But overall, I'm disappointed. I'm sad. And just to kind of wrap it up before the commercial break here, uh, man, to me the A's are Vita Blue, Reggie Jackson, Mark McGuire, Cardi Lansford, Ricky Henderson, Dave Henderson. Jose Canseco, Walt Weiss, all the way through the names I mentioned earlier, the Tejadas and Giambi and, you know, as recently as uh, Matt Olson. That whole legacy will be left behind and they're going to start new. We're talking about teams that have been division winners, World Series winners. I mean, that A's team, before the big red machine, it was the A's were the team of the early 70s. In baseball, you know, they went to three straight World Series. They were the best of the best. I don't know, man. I think it's a lot to leave a legacy behind and start anew, which is why I agree with Bryce Harper. Oakland deserves to keep their team, and Las Vegas deserves an expansion team that they could grow with. And that's my final take on a pop. Let's take a commercial break. We'll come back, continue the talk right after this. Voice America is on LinkedIn. Connect with us today. 
Tune in to the Voice America Variety Channel on the Voice America Talk Radio Network. Voice America Variety broadcasts a diverse array of topics, reaching a global community. Our experts come from all walks of life, and the topics they discuss are everything from current events, arts and entertainment, leadership, parenting, relationships, self-improvement, career advice, and a variety of other topics. Check us out today. You're sure to find something of interest. Voice America Variety. Talk on today's hot topics. Tune in every Friday to get your weekend kickoff early. Join the legendary G. Keith Alexander for What's Hot Harlem America. The flagship show of the new Harlem America Digital Network has something for everyone. From the latest in entertainment to empowerment, health and wellness, and more, we'll bring you a variety of fresh viewpoints, voices, and ideas. What's Hot Harlem America with G. Keith Alexander can be heard every Friday at 1 p.m. in New York and 10 a.m. Pacific Time on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have you become a member yet? Sign up now to become a member of Voice America. It's always free and easy. Plus, you get to take advantage of some great member benefits. Get unlimited access to millions of hours of on-demand content across all of our channels. Keep track of your favorite episodes, shows, and hosts in your own customizable library. Find out what shows you might be interested in based on your favorites. Plus, you get insider access with our newsletter. Membership gives you more. Sign up at voiceamerica.com and click register at the top right. Streaming live. The leader in Internet talk radio. VoiceAmerica.com This is the Mike Abadir Show. If you want to call in today, we can be reached at 1-866-472-5788. That's 1-866-472-5788. Or send an email to Mike at TheMikeAbadirShow.com. Now, back to this week's program. Back for the final segment on the Mike Abadir Show. I hate to be the deliverer of sad news, but Ray Lewis III, Hall of Fame linebacker Ray Lewis's son, uh, has passed away at age 48. So condolences to the uh, Lewis family. Uh, sad news, far too young to pass away. No details have been given yet, but that is uh, part of the breaking news right now. Uh, on to a more pleasant note, I... Uh, I, I want to say one final thing, which is there's one angle that we didn't talk about, Pop, which is the gambling angle. Yeah, I'm not sure that a lot of people go to Las Vegas to bet on A's games necessarily, or even MLB necessarily. People go into town to bet college football and NFL. That's the main thing that they do, or boxing fights. Maybe a big horse race like the Kentucky Derby or something like that. Um, but they're not necessarily coming to town to play MLB. Now, will they play MLB while they're there? Yes, possibly. This hardcore sports fan or gambler. But nobody's coming to town like, hey, let's go to Vegas uh, in three weeks to bet on MLB. People aren't doing that. So it begs the question. Is there possibly some kind of gambling angle or partnership that we haven't explored? Maybe betting at the actual stadium or something where the A's are going to get some kind of like crazy benefit by getting a cut from everything. That's the one missing thing that I don't know yet that could 
make a big difference for that ball club. What say you? I just think that, you know, pretty much that if you put them in Vegas, they would, MLB would be at, MLB would look like a real big, stupid, fat, phony. You just kicked, you kicked one of your greatest players of all time out for gambling on baseball. What you think going to happen when you got the worst team in baseball, knowing that they're the worst team in baseball, and you got MGM sitting right across the street? Come on, Mike. Right. And, you know, you got somebody like some some goofball like Vegas Dave running around being a groupie and talking about he'll run your bets for you. Think about that. It's just scandal, 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 and more scandal. The NFL's already in 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 trouble now. They just suspended 15 guys for gambling. Not not kicked you out the league. They suspended you. They just six weeks suspensions. They they're not even putting. They're not even showing us that they that they care. You know what I mean? Because if you care, all these guys are out until further notice. It don't matter. The NFL is the most replaceable uh, league there is. You know, for every Odell Beckham Jr., they'll come out and have a Jackson Smith Najaba, and you know this. Right, and, and, and th- aren't the reports coming out that he's lost like eight million dollars? Who OBJ? OBJ. Yeah, because he's doing crypto. You know that he, when he played for the Rams, when he crypto took a, a big dump, then and I think his contract wound up being only three hundred thousand dollars off of a guaranteed like eight million, like you just said, Mike. Like he's been losing a lot of money because he put a lot of his deals in crypto. And I, I don't even want to start with Trevor Lawrence. You know what I mean? Trevor Lawrence put a whole signing bonus on uh, crypto. You know what I mean? So it's like, you know, guys, whoever your financial advisor was at that time, I hope they're still not your financial advisor, honestly. And, Mike, I know you're heavy in crypto and everything like that. You're very well versed in it. But seriously, though, if I'm financial advising anybody in the NFL, NBA, all that stuff, I'm telling them we're not doing crypto. You know, what oh, I mean? no, dude, don't get me wrong, man. I've I've taken it up to you know what with crypto. You know, yeah. I've been I've been slaughtered with with the masses as well, so I can't really like dunk on anybody necessarily. You know, but look, let's be honest. It is a bet. It, it's just another form of gambling. Betting on it's an over under. Buying Bitcoin at whatever thirty thousand because I think it's going to go over. I mean, that's all it is. It's just like a more fancy over under wager that takes a lot longer to settle than a three hour ball game. That's the truth of the matter. And so a lot of these guys, uh, yeah, have, have been hurt by crypto. Uh, I think that uh, a part of OBJ's losses are actually just straight up conventional gambling. I don't know if it's on gaming or whatnot. But, again, I think the key question is, from a team perspective, I'm not talking about the temptation for the players, because that's always going to be there as gambling grows. But is the team going to get a piece of the rake? Are they going to get a piece of the take? Are they going to be a partner? We saw that leagues uh, were very anti-fantasy sports, and then they not only uh, were okay with it, they embraced it and partnered with them. Could the A's be doing something similar? 
you know, maybe it becomes the FanDuel Las Vegas Ace. Something like that. Who knows? But there might be more in store for this story than, than meets the eye. Um, and and if terrible idea to go down in flames and it's going to hurt a lot of uh, businesses involved, even sponsors, etc. when this thing fails. So, hey, Donner, I'm usually a person, but a pop we're on the same page. It's this is a sure bet in Las Vegas. Now, the team that the A's were just they fought tough of the Tampa Rays. These are the first team to get to 50 wins. The only other team that's even remotely close, the Rangers and the Braves at 42, and then the Diamondbacks 41. Everybody else, uh, oh, sorry, the Baltimore Orioles have 43, and everybody else is under 30, in the 30s, under 40 wins. So Tampa is still rolling, man. 50 wins strong in the best division in baseball. Pretty impressive, man. Very impressive. Very impressive. And, you know, man, I always say to myself that if you can do something in this world, that can help you get ahead, go ahead and do it. You know what I mean? Because it's a real, when they say the rat race, it's it's really real. You know what I mean? And, you know, you look at everyday life and, you know, the rat race is, is turned into a very, you know, strategic one in a sense as well, too. You can't go into the same hole as everybody else. You have to figure out, you have to work your way around it and you got to take chances on yourself as well, too. So, you know, that's what type of world we're living in now where people are bolder, Mike, to to believe in themselves. You know what I mean? Like before you would think you were really good at something, you say, okay, maybe we'll do it once I can retire. Now people are not even retiring. People are just quitting right in the middle of their job and they're just becoming, you know, podcasters and, you know, um, crypto uh, crypto uh, advisors and things like that because they've studied so well and they have everything figured out. You know what I mean? And then when you get down to the, the nitty gritty of everything, you start seeing how tough all this stuff is, you know, at the end of the day. So, you know, there's just a lot of things that we have to look at and we say to ourselves that it's taking one day at a time and make the best possible decisions you can make towards your absolute future you know what i mean because we can't think about things about present day when we're making these decisions we have to think about how will it affect our future will it make it the future better or will it make the future worse that's the whole thing you know so um yeah man but there's just a lot of things that i think um that come down to these players just making smarter moves because as I can see in the NFL happening, there's a lot of different ways that they're going to start ripping off uh, certain positions. Like for you to get paid for real, for real, as a running back, they're going to probably make it an incentive Latin uh, contracts now. You know what I mean? Because now you're, you're having it, but I feel like Saquon Barkley, Josh Jacobs, Dalvin Cook all have good gripes on why they need to get paid real dollars because they have been guys that have carried their teams. 
you know what I mean, like literally carried their teams. They did exactly what a bell cow running backs is supposed to do. And you can't just replace them with some six rounder from uh, Rutgers. It doesn't work like that. Reason why Isaiah Pacheco was so successful with the Chiefs is because the Chiefs have a successful system. The system works. He fits the system. He might not have the same success if he was playing in Jacksonville last year. He might not have the same success if he was playing in, say, somewhere like Cincinnati last year, who had Joe Mixon really being more of a versatile back to where he was catching a lot of screens and a lot of swing passes, things of that nature. So it's all about fits at the end of the day. So you can't just keep devaluing positions because these these other guys were able to cheap out on who their running backs were. The reason why, you know, pretty much the Philadelphia Eagles didn't have to worry about their running backs last season because they had a running back by committee situation. And then you add in the quarterback as the fourth one as as the primary runner. And then pretty much you have your running game. But that's not going to be conducive to a long-term situation for Jalen Hurts, who's just signed the biggest deal in NFL history. So now they had to go out and go get a real running back in DeAndre Swift to kind of uh, fill the void. And guess what happens? They get literally got rid of every single one of those guys that was a part of that running back room because they were so disposable. So that doesn't work for every single team. The Giants literally were a very good team last season because Saquon Barkley won them games in the last seconds of the game. So I say you guys should not hesitate on paying that man. Same thing goes with Josh Jacobs, who beat the Seahawks on an 80-yard scamper and helped the Raiders save face because the Raiders were about to have one of the worst seasons ever. And pretty much he had the most exciting win for the Raiders all season. And what do they do to him at the end of the year? They franchise him. And I know, Mike, you hated this when you were uh, had guys like Lacey and all the other running backs that you represented as well, too. Why are you going to devalue my guy like that? You're not going to devalue uh, Jones for having a, mid, a middling season where he needed the running back to help him win football games. You absolutely took care of him. And the thing is, he's not even a long-term quarterback for you because in two years, you'll be drafting another one. We know how the NFL works nowadays because they let media and they let fans control the roster uh, positions like quarterback. And so if the fans don't like the quarterback, the quarterback's gone. You see what's going on with uh, with Zach Wilson. You know what I mean? Zach Wilson hasn't even got a chance to be the quarterback yet, and they've tried to bring in 75 veterans for him. And what's the point of drafting that number two, Mike? What's the point of doing all that? All they're going to do at the end of the day is when they fail to make the playoffs next season, they'll have Aaron Rodgers out. They'll have Taylor, they'll have Wilson out. And then Salah, a great coach, is going to get fired. So, you know, it's a rinse and repeat situation in the NFL. And they got to get this thing fixed and they got to get it fixed ASAP. Well, that, that's and that's why in the NFL more than, than uh, anywhere else, they have quick turnover because it's very easy to be stuck in mediocrity for a long time, like the Jets. You know, let's face it, the Jets have a big fan base in New York, and they've been let down since Joe Namath, <laughs> right? I mean, they had some decent years uh, with Mark Sanchez, I guess, but that was because of the defense. They haven't had an exciting offense, like, almost ever, <laughs> right? But uh, 
we got to wrap the show up, Pop. Uh, we didn't get a chance to talk about the Denver Nuggets, but props to them. They were definitely one of the top uh, couple of teams in the league this year, most consistent team in the league this year, and they got the job done. So congrats to them. It's kind of refreshing to see teams, you know, that uh, aren't necessarily like of the major markets winning, you know, the San Antonio's and the Denver's and hopefully the Kings sometime soon. But a big congrats to them. That's all the time we got for today, Pops. So a big thank you to, to uh, Voice America, to my man Jordan, to you, Pop, and of course, the listener. Without you, there is no show. We will see you same time, same place next week. Enjoy your sports weekend, everyone. Thanks for joining us this week for the Mike Abadir Show. Please tune in again next Thursday at 7 p.m. Eastern Time and 4 p.m. Pacific Time for another show with Mike and his co-host, Gino Bacola, on the Voice America Variety Channel. Have a great week.